Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. back to the Christine culture. This is Clint. And this is Gordon. And we are super excited to be back with you guys this week. First off, Gordon, what have you been reading, watching, doing, etc.? I've actually been watching, thanks to one of our listeners, a TV series on Netflix called Sword, was Sword Art Online. Sword Art Online. Yeah. And I'm about like five or six episodes in and it's really good. I've never seen any anime before. And I'm hooked. I dig it. Really? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's it's, it's on my list now to check out too. That was from Nick. So yep. thanks, Nick, for that one. Totally. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm going to be checking that out hopefully this week or next week. So pretty excited about that one too. I really haven't been getting to much either. I've kind of just been reading the same old books and watching the same old shows. But one book I did start reading is called Your God is Too Boring by John Leonetti. So John, we have given him shout outs on our social media before but i don't think we've ever said it on air so john actually graduated from the same college that i did and then he graduated a little early i believe and then he was a theology teacher for a semester at my high school so that's where i first met him and then he has kind of a cool story because he went and backpacked across the u.s as a missionary and he would just like stop at parishes and speak to them about christ and then just kind of from what i understand off the mercy of people that he visited, he would eat and and serve at the parishes and stuff. And that's how he made his way across the country. Pretty cool story. Really, really nice guy. He has a radio show in Iowa now too. So check out his videos too. He's a really cool guy. So I'm sure we'll be putting stuff around. But yeah, it's Your God is Too Boring. And so far it's pretty good. More cool. details to come. Yeah. We gave shout outs last episode to Cody Labe. Yes. Who has been crashing through our podcast since he started about two weeks ago and cody after listening to like the last episode was like the episodes are great thanks you should do one on captain america he is obsessed i don't think i've ever seen anyone love marvel more than that man he's obsessed with captain america though too yeah especially like everything he has he he is captain america in his mind Uh, (laughs) only in his mind because of infinity war coming out in about a week i believe we are going to do that we're going to cover captain america who in the name of the first movie was the first avenger just Mm -hmm. because of when he was created back in world war ii but we're going to be going over all three films of his so captain america first avenger captain america winter soldier and captain america civil war so because of that we'll be less kind of like plot detailed more on the themes we found out throughout the movies, how Captain America stayed true. But also, because of that, if you haven't seen any of those movies, 
spoilers go watch those movies because infinity war is coming out you gotta watch them at this point guys you've had like six years for for some of these so all right so let's jump in so captain america first avenger is his as we've liked to coined his origin story Mm -hmm. it is the creation of captain america at the start of world war ii and basically we see steve rogers who is this wimpy linky guy wanting to apply to serve and be a soldier in the war and everyone's mm-hmm. telling him he's too small. He can't do that. Right. And he does it anyways. Eventually, we see that Tony Stark's dad, Mr. Stark, has created this machine that he's going to use and create a super soldier. I don't remember where they get the vibranium, but Captain America is also the only other person besides Black Panther who has like a hold on vibranium. Mm-hmm. So the shield is made of vibranium. Somewhere along the way, Steve Rogers is the perfect fit gets in the machine comes out and becomes this super soldier he comes out he comes in like really skinny comes out super huge and so he can now lift things that are super heavy he can throw this vibranium shield and it bounce off six different walls and come back and he can jump and He's, his dexterity is through the roof he can take out entire armies by himself essentially i think he can like take bullets I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, maybe not because he has that shield. It's the shield, yeah. But he can take a punch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He can take a heck of a punch. But in this movie as a whole, we see the theme of morality. And we see where Steve Rogers stands on morality. World War II in real life was more than the struggle between nations. It was actually probably one of the most morally unambiguous conflicts in world history. I mean, we can go on and on. We talk about morals of you know Hitler and of that and what happened. But we see this personified through the villain in that movie, which is the Red Skull, mm-hmm. and Captain America. Red Skull is the Nazi ideology in this film. There's a term by Nietzsche that's called Ubermensch, and that is the philosophy of these super beings rising above Christian morality and like recreating better groundwork in their own ways. And not because they think they're better, but because they think you're, they're wrong and this is how it should be. Kind of an unimportant side note, but I'm pretty sure Dwight from The Office also mentions this at some point in the show. So just throwing that out there. Fact. Bears eat beets. So the Red Skulls believed in the superiority of certain men and more specifically in himself. Because he is, if you haven't seen the movie, literally his name. He is like skin is red and he's just a skeleton with flesh. But he's also, just like Captain America, he's strong, he's a super being, and he's not, in essence, human. And the guy that created him, this Norwegian cleric who warns him later on in the movie, because we see the Tesseract in this film as well, that based on the Tesseract's glow, power contained within it is not for the eyes of ordinary men, which all he replies when he hears that is exactly as he goes to reach for it, because he thinks of himself as not ordinary, this superhuman. Captain America, we can see, is the polar opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Captain America is this superhuman being because he was created as a super soldier, but he perceives himself as just an ordinary man, and he acts with certain righteous might that overcomes all these obstacles. And it's actually kind of ironic. You know your history in World War II and the perfect human that Hitler was going for. Captain America is, in essence, what the Nazis were looking for when they strive the human perfection. Mm Mm-hmm. But because in this film we see that he's like, no, I'm just an ordinary man and all this stuff. He's on the good side and the Red Skull wants to squash him. Through 
these two portrayals of morality and different morals, it boils down to two things, pride and humility. The Red Skull is full of pride on the fact that he's super, so he's above and he's better, whereas Captain America is the super being, but in his humility realizes that this is a tool and a gift that he can use to save others. This brings me back to probably my favorite part of this this whole first movie for him. It's when he's still tiny before he was turned into the perfect soldier and everything. And he is in kind of like this basic training. And they're kind of observing everyone and they're trying to figure out who are they going to choose to be this perfect soldier, you know? And the war general is looking at this big, like beefy, strong dude and is like, he's the one. And the scientist... He's not feeling it. The scientist is looking more towards Steve, this tiny little guy. And the reason he's looking at the tiny guy is because he says this in the film, the serum that they use to make this perfect soldier takes everything about a person and makes it stronger. So if that person is already strong, they will become stronger. If that person is already evil, they will become more evil. If that person is already good, they will become more good. And in a way, this is kind of like how when we use our gifts to glorify God and give them back to him, he takes them and he just makes them stronger. And so one thing I want to point out in this scene when they're watching him in basic training, the general is like, I will show you who the best soldier is. So he takes a fake grenade and throws it out while they're training and all of his quote-unquote, like, good soldiers run and hide. The person who would later become Captain America runs towards the grenade and says to the others, get away, and then jumps on the grenade and takes it himself. It's kind of self-sacrificing. And so when he takes the serum to become Captain America, that self-sacrificing love, that agape love that we talked about last week, is just made even more strong by the serum, or like we said, like, the Holy Spirit emphasizing and helping us to grow our gifts in that way. So we see kind of this growth of who he is as a being in a way. Going off of that and this perfect picture of humility, it's this idea of we have these gifts or even outside of that in certain moments in our life, sometimes we think we know better than God. Yeah. Sometimes we... Like I said, we maybe have this gift and we want to use it to benefit ourselves rather than using the gifts outwardly and seeing what happens. And I remember myself one time I was in prayer about like a year ago and I was like, what do I need to do? And he gave me a picture of me on a ship and I was behind the wheel and he just told me to let go. He told me to let go because he was showing me the island and I was like, great, I'm going to steer the ship towards the island. And he's like, no, let go. And so it's one of those things of just, we might know what God's saying. And then we're like, all right, now I'm going to intervene. And he's like, no, stop. You don't know better. And that's what pure humility is. Mm-hmm. It's this idea of like, we are super soldiers, but we're not doing that in order to say I'm better than a regular soldier. I think that's a really real experience too, going off of your dream. I think a lot of the times we feel like we're being humble in our prayer and we say like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And then maybe he'll be very clear and we see, okay, this is what he wants us to do. All right. Thanks God. And then we just run. Yeah. Like, got it. Thank you. 
And God's like, hold on, hold on. Like, you don't need to get rid of God. You need to keep God in order to get there. And I I think we forget that a lot of the times. We think that he's almost um, a cheat sheet, you know? We have, like, a cheat sheet for a test. and Or spiritual advisor, as you will. Yeah, a spiritual advisor. Well, he is, but I'm saying, like, in an essence, when you go to a spiritual direction, you go and then you leave. Yeah. And now you're taking that. So it's like going into an office and then leaving. Or like, I'm thinking like a spiritual eight ball. You remember like an eight ball? Like we get, yeah. the, we get the answer and it's like, all right, we got it. Okay, whatever. And then we just do our own thing. But we need to not just take the answer, but take the person who gave us the answer too, which is God. I also did this novena to surrendering to the will of God and they touch on humility too in the essence of God is a doctor. Yeah. Jesus, he heals us. It's kind of like you're going to the doctor and telling him how to cure you. Mm-hmm. You're like, don't do that. It doesn't work. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's in essence Captain America, First Avenger, there roll credits, a few more Marvel movies later, we have Captain America, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. Which is one of the best Marvel movies in my humble opinion. It's a crucial one, too. Extremely. Yeah. It sets up the third film, which sets up Infinity War. Yeah. So, Winter Soldier is based on a lot of things. It introduces Bucky, who I know a lot of people love. But the big theme in this movie is our own mistakes and our own wickedness. And almost can go back to original sin. Sometimes it's hard to relate to. But just in the idea of that we're human and we fail and we mess up. And how we react or what we do in light of that. We see this because the movie focuses a lot more on the history of S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA, which HYDRA, I didn't mention it, was the villain that Red Skull worked for. It was the villain back in the day, World War II. And we haven't heard of them with Tony Stark and Iron Man and the other Marvel movies, or even the Avengers movie has been out before Winter Soldier. So S.H.I.E.L.D. has created these ships called Project Insight. And they're like four or five ginormous ships. It's like the same ship we'll see in Avengers or Avengers 2. All the Avengers are flying on. It's like that size, but they're programmed by satellites and they just fly around and orbit the Earth with this artillery of guns and so many things. And they've done this because of the villains and the destruction they've seen in the past. And they're like, okay, this is going to stop any evil that might show up again. We'll just, once we see it, We'll kill it, and then we don't need the Avengers or superheroes. Mm-hmm. We'll do it before they need them. Superheroes will be plan B. Which have bigger guns. Right. And it's funny because we see Steve Rogers, Captain America's morals in this movie when Nick Fury is showing him Project Insight. Captain America says, so your idea of protecting the world is putting ships with guns pointed down at them? I'm not on board for this at all. And Nick Fury's like, no, I know it seems that way, but evil's already... In the world, we can't ignore that, so yeah, we carry guns. But then we quickly find out that Hydra is in the background still around mm-hmm. and running S.H.I.E.L.D. Nick Fury in this part of the story of Marvel isn't quite in the lead of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's just running the Avengers program, the Avengers Initiative. But the people he always refers to are being run by Hydra. And we see it with like, the rings of like the, yeah, the tentacles and the octopus. And he realizes that too, and it totally screws everything up. S.H.I.E.L.D. is not who they said they are. But we also find out that they're not creating these ships and putting them in the sky to protect the world. 
They're doing that to protect Hydra. Anything that might come to light that could hinder Hydra, whether it be another super being, is now eradicated. And it's almost like fighting this fire with fire. They're evil and they want to fight other evil or good because evil, like other villains could also come towards Hydra with evil. So it's fighting evil with evil. So when we dig deeper, we have to look into the motives of these two, Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. So Hydra has the Winter Soldier, Bucky, who in the movie we find out is an old friend of Steve Rogers. They were in the war together. They trained together. And so Bucky is Hydra's version of Captain America. He's a super soldier with a metal arm that can do this almost the same thing as the shield, except he doesn't shoot off and bounce off walls, but it blocks bullets. We also eventually find out that he's brainwashed. He's not doing any of this on his own. It's not like he's an evil Captain America because they're brainwashing him to do it. And so that is the lead of Hydra as far as their Captain America. And their whole motive behind everything they're doing is self-preservation. They want to make sure that they are sustained and stay alive. S.H.I.E.L.D. has Captain America, and their whole motive is love of neighbor. They see, even after it comes to light that Hydra has been running them, once like Nick Fury takes over S.H.I.E.L.D. and it's like, okay, like you guys are Hydra, I guess I'll still run this. He realizes the mistakes and their past, mm-hmm. and he chooses still to rise above that and to save others that way. And so we have saving themselves, which is Hydra. Hydra is saving themselves, and they're doing it secretly. You know how when we sin... We always kind of do that in hiding. Yeah. It's never in light. So secretly, they have to also control. They have to brainwash Bucky rather than just like find a soldier that agrees with their standards. They got to brainwash Bucky. They have to secretly hide behind S.H.I.E.L.D. in order to run their program. We do these things in the dark because Christ is the light. Where the light is, we cannot have sin. You know, there can't be sin in in Christ's presence. Exactly. And then we have S.H.I.E.L.D. who in their mistakes, wants to come into light and still save the world. So in conclusion, this is the message of loving and serving others within your own distress, within your own mistakes. It's what Jesus refers to when he speaks of the time when God's people will worship God in spirit and in truth. So by lifting this veil of secrecy, that shield was being run by Hydra, while it brings to light its own mistakes and its own dark secrets, it also brings to light Hydra, who's trying to stay in the dark, mm-hmm. and so thus filing, destroying it. So they have to admit we messed up, and this is what's been going on, but that's also how they're going to fight it. And it's the same idea of denying yourself and letting go of your mistakes and picking up your cross and walking with Jesus. Yeah, and, and through that, that reminds me a lot of the Sacrament of Reconciliation, which we've been talking about quite a bit the past couple weeks, it seems like. But we have to admit that we are broken before we can go to reconciliation. We have to admit that, yes, we've made mistakes, we've sinned before we can seek that mercy. And so worshiping God in spirit and truth and coming out of our mistakes in order to better ourselves or bring down the enemy is what we see a lot here. And in the background of that, through this whole story and Bucky, we still see those same moral actions of Captain America. He is the Boy Scout in this movie he's almost like a marvel superman because superman is also like the dc boy scout except not in this new films go boy scout (laughs) so roll credits a few more movies then we come to captain america civil war which also fantastic huge so good this is probably one of the best if not the best one 
yet. It's also the last Avengers, like full Avengers film right before Infinity War. We have had Black Sounds Panther right. who showed up in Civil War, yeah. but explains his history and vibranium. But this is like the last where everyone showed up and it's where we left off. Mm-hmm. And in a week, we'll get to see what's next. So Civil War is exactly in the title. It's a war between each other. Mm-hmm. They finally crack. So we start in the prime time of the Avengers. We've had Avengers 1. Now we've had Avengers 2. And all the feeling in between where we've seen the crossovers and other films. And they're figuring out, like, we can do this as a team. We're good. And then we go to the scene in the beginning of this movie where they're in Nigeria. And they're fighting crossbones. Which, side note, I have, like, a little bobblehead of crossbones in my car. That's the name of my car. That's who that is. Yep. Okay. Crossbones. Yeah, I've seen that in your... He's got, like, the car. fists that, like, extend out. And... Crossbones is trying to seek out this biological weapon that he's trying to set and detonate in this town. And would also, you know, kind of biological warfare expand and create this whole domino effect. So they're trying to stop that. And comes to a point where he's cornered and he knows he's going to lose. So he almost unibombs the thing and he was like, I'll die. And I'll just set it off right here. So he goes to set it off and we have the Scarlet Witch who contains that but realizes where she's contained it and where it will go off will blow them up blow this crowd of people that are watching and scared up so she like tries to throw him up in the sky and he blows up next to the building they are in and there's a ton of casualties and then we go to a scene where scarlet witch is blaming herself for this mistake and captain america is trying to say no it's my fault i should have seen something coming there was a moment where captain america had like the tag on him and then slipped up and so he's saying it's my fault as a leader as the captain and as something I know I could have done and not doing it, that you were in that predicament and you did the best you could do. But then we also have right after that scene and right after this whole history comes kind of more into the real time of Civil War where there's a video of King T'Challa. And this is not Black Panther King. This is Wakanda the father. Forever. This is the father who is still the king in this movie. And he has a speech that he's giving based on these events. And one thing that he says is, Victory at the expense of the innocent is no victory at all. And so he's saying that these people, these bystanders, the casualties did not mean the Avengers won against crossbones, that they actually did more damage than good. And this guilt is weighing on Scarlet Witch. I know after that, she almost like stops being a hero and like goes into seclusion. Yep. And then we go into Tony Stark, who is the start of this one side of the Civil War. And we, we know from the first movie of Tony Stark when he created that as soon as he realized Stark Industries was creating weapons of warfare, he stopped doing that. He stopped making weapons for war, but only turned to charity or other functions for money. So we already have this idea that Tony Stark hates when trying to do good can go wrong, even in the slightest. And he's going to this meeting to set up what is called the Sokovia Accords, which is basically a superhuman or superhero registration act all the superheroes tony stark the whole avengers and everyone else signs it they have to now answer to the law and to government they don't get to, when something goes wrong just shoot out whatever symbol in the sky or whatever and go save they have to wait for the government to say okay initiate the heroes and you can only do this you can't do this if this happens don't do this government regulated superheroes basically typical yeah And as he's going to the Sokovia Awards, Tony Stark runs into a mom whose son was in the area where the Battle of Ultron happened, Mm -hmm. who was doing missionary work or some type of like studies for good and died as a casualty. 
And she comes up and shows him a picture, explains who her son was, and points and blames Tony Stark for her son's death. So this guilt of the thing with Scarlet Witch, and now this is just crushing Tony Stark into where he's on the side that the Sokovia Awards are good, that we need to be in check. We need someone holding us responsible because really he's just trying to justify his mistake. He's blaming himself and he's saying, if we do this, then everything's fixed. Mm -hmm. And having just consecrated myself to divine mercy about two weeks ago, I feel like when we are in the wrong or we've sinned, we think if I just go give money to charity, if I go like do something good, then I'm balancing the scale out. And I'm trying to do more good to justify something we might have done rather than running to God. What in essence we're doing is we're seeking divine mercy. We're seeking the heart of Jesus and we don't even realize it. And that is what I see in Tony Stark in this film. He's seeking this mercy of mm-hmm. forgiveness of I'm sorry. And he's trying to find it in this government. This government right, program, right, yep. yeah. And Apostle Paul says in one of his letters that the law cannot make you clean again which totally eradicates what Tony Stark is doing. He's trying to become clean through the law and through these accords. He says, you were led by the spirit, not the law. Right. And so then we bring light into truth. We have Captain America, who in hearing Tony Stark present this idea to them, his soul is restless. He's like, no, I'm not going to sign the accords. Mm -hmm. He says that this isn't going to allow us to do what we need to do and what we can do. In the moment that someone needs us, we need to be able to do whatever is necessary to save them. I view Captain America's standards as our standards of disciples and as discipleship. He thinks that saving lives and being a superhero means having these close and personal relationships with his victims or with his people, with the world, so that when they have these relationships, if something goes wrong, they can show up no matter what and help. Mm-hmm. And if there's someone saying, no, we're going to do it first, you guys can't go yet, we haven't said you can, then it's halting all of that altogether. Kind of like how last week we were talking about, it's not about the, what did you say, the religion, it's about relationship? Oh, God is not ritual. Ritual, he's yeah. Relation. So he's not ritual, he's relation. In this case, he's not regulation, but he is the relation that we need to focus on. Yes. So. And then we have where the Civil War breaks out. Stark has already signed up, and half of the Avengers, too, have sided with him. Scarlet Witch and a few others, which, if you see in the movie, bear the same feeling towards the mistakes that are going on. They're like, we do need to be held in check. We've screwed up, Mm -hmm. and we've killed people. The other half are doing things on their own accord. So the Sokovia Accords and the people running it are wanting to seek down Bucky. He's still doing wrong despite his own self. He's still being hypnotized to do evil. And so they want to seek out Bucky and imprison him and fix him or whatever. But Captain America knows that's not going to be done right, not going to be done justly, that it's not Bucky's fault, and that if they were able to just talk to him and see what's really going on, you know, Bucky's a really good person. And they know that they're not going to handle it correctly. Right. So Cap tries to talk to Stark, and Stark won't listen to it. And Cap realizes, because of his stance with the Accords, that he's going to have to go outside the law in order to save Bucky. When that happens, Tony Stark realizes he has a vigilante in his hands and he's got to do something. And he wants to stop Bucky and stop Captain America. And then he realizes that he can't do anything like that because he signed the Sokovia Accords. Right. And now he's realized what Captain America was trying to say all along. And he takes things in his own hands to go seek out Captain America. What? Yeah. <laughs> but this was such a great idea. 
No, his hands are tied. <laughs> and so Kafka becomes a vigilante, enforcing Stark to almost do the same exact thing. And we see in this idea that Captain America wants to save everyone. He wants to save the people of the world. But he even wants really to familiar. save criminals, the bad guys, who in their eyes is Bucky. Sounds, yes, a yeah. lot like Jesus sitting at the tables with tax collectors. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. And bad guys. Yeah. And this whole film is that idea. It's, I think it's something that we're seeing in scripture right now, just out of Easter. It's one of my favorite times for daily readings and for mass readings, because usually we get the readings of the Old Testament and like then a psalm and then the gospel. But now we're getting to go through the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles is the life of the Apostles after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do now? Now they get it. Everything's made sense and they're not denying Jesus or anything he said, no matter what. And they're proclaiming these things. The Pharisees are still like, we just killed that guy. You can't be talking about this, his resurrection. That's not true. Stop. And they've imprisoned them. They've been let out of prison. We can't imprison them. But they're also trying not to do too much because the people are starting to believe the apostles. Right. And they have nothing to do. And so they're threatening to kill him. And the apostles are doing these things in spite of possibly dying. They're doing things outside their law and their rule. Yeah, I think it's really cool that you say that because this whole time we've been talking about this, I was kind of looking through these three movies. And to me, the themes that you pulled out here kind of give us this story that we can relate to because it's the Bible narratives. You know, so we look at First Avenger and we talked about his creation. You know, that's almost like our own creation. But then we also talked about the conflict with morality. Every single one of us has this conflict with morality and we see the going back and forth of the uh, Israelites and they love God and their good relationship with God and then they're disobeying him and turning their back on him and it's back and forth. And we see kind of the same thing with the apostles as well, kind of like you were talking about. And then in The Winter Soldier, I feel like this is kind of where things start to get a little bit more sketchy in a way. We start to see that our sins are brought to light, kind of like how you're talking about with how S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA had to recognize, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. had to recognize their own faults before they could take down HYDRA. In the same way, we have to recognize our own faults before we can move closer with Christ. And it was the same for the apostles as well. And then we get to Civil War, and we start to see, like you said, like the Acts of the Apostles. But I think it's really interesting that the point where this change starts to happen is actually at the beginning of Civil War. And I think it's really cool because you pointed out the person that they were battling when this happened, Crossbones. How awesome is it that the cross is the point where that conversion happens, both in our spiritual, biblical version, but also the crossbones, you know, it's a little bit yeah. of word, not really a pun, but like we have this word connection there where this crossbones battle is kind of the realization point where this whole Acts of the Apostles part of the Captain America series kind of comes to light. I also think since this is about Captain America, we see him and himself personified throughout these entire films. It's basically boils down to morality every time. Mm -hmm. We are shown his morality in the first film and its humility. In the second film, Winter Soldier, it's more of an introduction of Bucky and more of an introduction of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hydra, and these background players within this huge plot. But we see subtly throughout that film, his humility stays the same. Right. Civil War is the true test of the character of Captain America. Here's something that makes sense. They show two or three different examples in the beginning of this film of why the Sokovia Accords should be signed. Mm -hmm. Captain America's humility 
stays the same. And I think it shows the story of God's truth and no matter what, standing firm in that, even when something else makes sense. Roll credits. Now we get to wait a week and check out what happens next. Ooh, get excited. Don't know the end of this film. Captain America's dipped. He had to with Bucky because there was no resolution to Civil War. Um, so yeah, that's where we're starting. I'm excited. We're about to see some crazy stuff in this upcoming Infinity War. So brace yourselves. I'll probably try and go with Cody so I can watch his reaction to the whole thing. But yeah, I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. So going from there, that's kind of like where my challenge is for this week. It's going to be, you know, sometimes I think in our own faith and our own prayer, we can get, I wouldn't say lackadaisical, but comfortable in our, our lives. Complacent. Um, yeah. In a way. So like where we, we, we go to mass or maybe you even go to daily mass, maybe you go to adoration twice a week or every day of the week, whatever. Maybe you could be doing all these things or just the bare minimum, but you're doing that and it's on your social media or it's in your discussion to where people know you're Catholic or they know you're religious. But there comes moments where you're talking to your friends, you know, don't go to church or you're talking like we talk about Christ in culture, you're talking about something else and you have the opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus or to proclaim truth. And maybe it comes to mind. I know it's happened to me where it's come to mind and I'm like, no, nah, like that'd probably make this situation weird or something. So like where in this next week can you proclaim Jesus outwardly more often? Mm. Rather than your normal routine, where else can you strive to bring light to what you believe to be true? Because if you do believe to be true, why not shout it? Shout it out from here. Exactly. Yeah. And so with that in mind, Clint, do you have any shout outs? Yeah. So I would like to give a shout out to Lindsay Berry, who I've given shout outs to before. But she is the one who gave us this Berry Irish tea, which we Mm. drink literally every single episode so Lindsay, thank you so much for this gift because we have been drinking this for months and still enjoying the fruits of that gift so thank you so much it's kind of like it's become a thing yeah it really is yeah. we do not record without tea if we record in the morning sometimes some people will have coffee but there's always something it's me it's gordon i wasn't gonna name any names but but yeah so we always have tea or coffee and that's kind of become tradition thanks to you so yeah, thanks basically feel naked without a mug in our hands yeah it's really weird so hopefully you guys can't hear us drinking tea all the time because that would be kind of awkward do you have any shout outs i do so we've gained a few more listeners that i just want to shout out and recognize we have bev costco thank you for listening and Kara nish thank you guys so much for checking us out yeah reach out to us if you want or all of you guys so you can reach out to us and find us on facebook on twitter which is at on the adventure 2 soundcloud all the other listening devices email us text us if you know have our numbers reach out to us if you see them in person call us call snapchat us, us. Whatever you got to do to find us. Call me, beat me, if you want to reach me. <laughs> Kim Possible. <laughs> but yeah, so just reach out to us with ideas you have. Um, if you want to give us a challenge for a week, we would uh, take you up on a challenge. If you just want to let us know how we're doing, then you can let us know. But also rate us. The more you rate our podcasts, the more we fall into the, alg- the algorithms or we get pushed up. So whatever you listen to, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, or those, give us a rating no matter what the rating is, hopefully it's good. Um, but yeah, be honest in, in that and rate us because when you do that, we show up on more other people's feeds and we're suggested and it's almost like your small little way of evangelizing our podcast. Yeah. And if you guys want to take the chance, if you really do enjoy this podcast, 
please share us by word of mouth or on social media. We figured out at this point that for every person who shares a post on Facebook or Twitter, we can get our episode to another 200 to 300 people per person that shares. So even if it's just a simple click, you can help us get to over 300 more people potentially just by clicking the button. So your little button clicking makes a huge difference for literally hundreds of people. So you can do that. You can share us by word of mouth to your friends. It makes a huge, huge difference. And with that, we'd like to thank you for joining us on the adventure and we'll see you next time. Cheers. So do you think Cody's gonna enjoy this one? I really hope. I really hope he I enjoys hope so. this one. It sounded all right. Maybe I think we, I. We talked about yeah him enough. Yeah, Captain America. Cody. I think I think we mentioned his name what three times? At Four least. times. Okay, maybe this, we should probably should have thrown it in there a few more wait, times. Does that red light mean we're still recording? Oh no! Are you serious?